It is the Michael Bourne Identity. It is episode seven. Um, we follow. We are following up a a an interview with with a Pulitzer Prize winning uh, journalist with uh, with with one of my favorite people of all time, and and he has won awards that that far outshine uh, <laughs> silly little Pulitzer Prize. I am very happy to welcome. Uh, my friend and yours, someone I've known, I've actually, I've, I've known him online for a, for a good 11, 12 years. Uh, and, and we've, we've met in person. I got to hear him perform live and I'm going to ask him about that uh, over the course of the next 30, 45 minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, John Wesling, how you been? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me, uh, uh, JY. I, uh, <laughs> I I do feel um, honored to be in such a uh, amazing company of your past guests. Uh, I can't help but think that this is probably sort of like a bye week for you. Like you just get to, <laughs> are you going to try out some new things? And that's why I'm here. This is this is like whatever you see uh, Alabama have like three SEC opponents in a row and then take on Troy just for uh, <laughs> just to let some guy's letter. The, no, no, this is a, I, I, what I want with this, this is going to be a, an, a very diverse, basically it's just like me talking to my friends and, and it turns out that I've, I've got some somewhat famous friends. Uh, and, and so, yeah, no, no, I, no, you are, you are in, in, in esteemed company here. So you are, you are, you're elevated. You're good. Oh, well, all right. Well then I'll sit up straighter. I suppose. I'm not, okay, this is for, up. this is for real. The, the video is just so we can like see each other and, and react. I'm only posting the audio. You do whatever you want. You can take your shirt off. I don't oh, care. wait. So we're not, this is audio only. Why? I yeah. Know. Why did I wear pants? I could have just totally done this. I'm not natural. Totally that's, oh, yeah. Your pants off. Okay. Well, right yeah. On. No, I'm, I'm sitting here in boxers and a hoodie, you know, because it's Texas and it's, you know, in the sun, it, it's like 75, but in the shade, it's like 21 degrees. Like it's, it's yeah. the, it's, we're in the moon. That's where we are. Well, you're a you're a soccer coach too, so that's essentially that's also game day uh, gear too. Yeah, no, I can... I get to wear the most comfortable clothing on earth to work. Yeah, like everyone nice. gets excited about jeans. I'm like that jeans, that's jeans are unacceptable. Like that though, jeans are too hard. That, that that's that's not good. Hey, I, I don't mean to, to go uh, on a side tear here, but I always wondered about soccer coaching. You know, I've always been a a um, uh, a student of coaching i like uh you know the different sports how they run stuff during a game it seems like soccer it's almost uh like set it and forget it right like once they're out there when I mean, you only how many substitutions do you get a game three four actually that? okay so so in in high school you get unlimited so oh, okay you can sub out you can if someone just needs a break or if someone cramps up you can sub them out and they're good for and if they're good five minutes later you can put them right back in I did not know that. I did not know that you had, oh, that's, that's not open substitution, but at least it's pretty close to it. Right. It's not like hockey yeah. where you can just run a line in and out. Yeah, no, yeah, no. It's and like in, in like the premier league and whatnot, then it's uh, you know, it's, it's three substitutions uh, and, and that's it. So with high school, that's not, that is not the case. I'm a, the male. Ah. Yeah. Hey, hi, hi. Hi. Oh, Dory, you might hear same similar sounds from me, but it'll be my children. Uh, who do that so, uh, i'm in the Fortnite room so at some point my kid might run so you, you could make the argument that actually at the lower levels of soccer coaching is is harder than at the higher levels at the higher level i mean you know you just stand there and look stern and disappointed at times and yell and point but other than that they just sort of run around and do their thing and <laughs> yeah it helps to be handsome uh that's yeah, a, yeah, right. apparently a prerequisite for coaching uh, major teams. Um, yeah. no, the, the, yeah, but like, seriously, like most of the work for the, for the games is done in practice. Um, you know, at, at halftime, you might pull someone off to the side and say, Hey, you've been doing this, try this, but as you know, and it, I don't know other coaches that are far more successful than I am. And I just like coach freshmen. So it's not even like, you know, I, I'm like the third tier of, of high school soccer. It, it's, you know, it, it, I don't know. It's, there's not, there's no, you know, you remember how the team played the last time you played them and that's it. But it's not like there's, you know, we break down our own film, but we don't have film of opponents. And I don't know, <laughs> I think it would just mess with the kids' heads. Like the more, because we, we went on a, a pretty deep playoff run three or four years ago. And I was sent to go scout the teams that the, whoever won that game, that's who we would play in the next round if we won. Uh, and... And we, and I came back with like these scouting reports and it just, it was too much information. Like they just wanted to go out and play and 
it's nothing. It's nothing like I would imagine that coaching football is like. I guess that's uh, what do they call that? Uh, paralysis by analysis. Yeah, no, for sure. Like it's there, there comes a point where like a high school kid can only take in so much information. Yeah, like, I'm just gonna say number eight is fast. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <All right. laughs> and it's like I mean, there's stuff like they're you know they're only going down the left side, you know. So you know, mm-hmm. try to you know just be aware of that. Like there's not a ton of, and maybe I'm not a good coach because I don't do any of this stuff. But like, there's not <laughs> you guys suck. I don't know. Yeah, that's funny. Well, anyway, sorry, I didn't. I, I mean to just jump in with the the coaching question. I just thought that was interesting, you know. No, no, that's cool. Um, okay, so I I saw you perform, and I cannot remember where it, it was in Houston. I cannot remember where it was. Uh, it was oh, it was around Christmas time. Um, but I do know we we lived in Nashville and we came down to see family, and you were you were performing, and I had pneumonia. And, and I still went, I still went to the show and, and your set set my recovery back at least two months. Like oh, you, no. you had a bit about <laughs> being a helicopter traffic guy on the, on the first day that marijuana was legalized. And, mm-hmm. and you were describing like the traffic jam at Whataburger. And I, I was, I, I had a very hard time breathing. Uh, <laughs> what, what is, can you explain, is there a formula, like how does the joke writing or how does the setting up a, a comedy set go for you? Uh, great question. And I apologize uh, for hurting your lungs at that show. I kind of vaguely remember, I might have been in the improv if I remember correctly, but it yeah, might've been, I don't, I don't remember too much. I don't remember many things correctly uh, lately. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a tough question to kind of uh, formulate. Cause it's, um, it starts off simple, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, like when you're kind of uh, newer at comedy, it's a lot more basic. You know what I'm saying? You just sort of, you know, the old the old formula is you open with your second best joke and you close with your with your best joke, and <laughs> nobody will remember what you did in between. Um, uh, but then it gets a little more complicated. Like I I kind of uh, and, and working on cruise ships for a while uh, really helped me kind of nail this idea down is that during a a headliner set, like if you're doing 30 minutes to 45 minutes or an hour, even um, there's, there's several different waves of your set, right? It's not just start and then go with the same kind of tempo the entire way through. You kind of have to, you know, it's like an album, right? You know, an album, you know, uh, a a well-made album isn't 10 tracks of the same sounding song over and over again, then an actually formed album that you start and listen all the way through it takes you out for you know rides up and down and then over here and then you need something light and then you uh so there's it, it's it's real complicated it gets it gets almost uh, like calculus at, at times to kind of figure out so uh what i would say is like the formula i look at is if i'm doing a okay on the ships you do a 30 minute set right and you're the only comic so you just have a guy who goes hey how you doing please welcome john wesson and then you go out there and you are the entire show uh so I broke it down into that. I actually had to open feature and then headline for myself. So I would put shorter, quicker, sort of easier to, you know, not high concept jokes at the beginning to kind of get the last per minute, you know, the, the go up there and get them all looking in the same direction, show them that, you know, what you're doing, show that, you know, that you're a competent um, uh, comic. So it's a lot more, you know, uh, quick hit kind of stuff. And, and I would do that for you know, a 30 minute set. It'd be about five minutes of that just to really set the hook and let them, you know, see that I know what I'm doing and they buy in at that point. They're not really checking to see if you're funny. They're just checking to see if you're, if you know what you're doing. Right. <laughs> so I, I, I try to demonstrate that. And then uh, the, the, the middle part is then it starts to get a little bit longer then it gets a little bit more personal and, you know, sort of more you know, uh, detailed bits, but still I keep that last per minute up. Right. That that every 15 seconds, there's going to be something that gets some get some pop and get some laughing. Is that is uh, that the, is that the goal to every 15 seconds? Well, not. Yes. Essentially, it's about if you can maintain four laughs per minute, you're going to have a great night. Right. Jeez, OK. Yeah. yeah it's, and it's not that hard. I mean, if you think about like a regular radio ad is 30, 30 seconds. Right. So in 30 seconds of, of how long a radio ad is, can you get two things that are funny? And it doesn't have to be like every, everything's got to be a huge applause break. Sometimes it's just a, <laughs> right. It was just, just a, it, <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's just a constant reaffirming that, that this is funny, that this person is, is, is talented <laughs> at what they're doing. 
right? You're just sort of rebumping. Uh, but then when you when you get to more of a headliner set, like think of the the, the bigger name comics that you know, right? The you know the 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 big that put out specials, right? It's the reason it's called special, not just regular, because it's <laughs> it's exceptional talent. So then you you can kind of slow down a little bit. Because then you then you've already set the hook. They know that you're good, and they're they're bought in. They're there. They're laughing. They're having fun. So then you can kind of really dig into more high concept stuff, and you can take a little longer to kind of build up to a bigger laugh. Then instead of it being a uh, four laughs per minute, you can go. Sometimes they're they're bought in. They're going to listen to you. So then you you, you can get into a, a a longer setup, more of a storytelling, because then it's more of a crescendo to a big splash at the end of a like a, a four or five minute bit right so you try to keep it entertaining along the way but they already know that you know what you're doing so you you, you switched up your tempo a little bit um you know andy huggins and i talked about this a lot um if you don't know andy he's amazing old timer classic legend and he always looks at it and, and he uh, he does he, he, he's a one-liner comic and that's the hardest thing to do because that is when he writes out an hour set there's almost a thousand jokes in it everything is 10 seconds long you know what i mean i like yeah. i don't know how you remember that stuff i got to remember it like a song i have to have i have to remember it in four minute chunks you have to go up 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 you know but anyway uh looking at uh doing a set is like being a starting pitcher right you get three or four times through the batting order so you set up things early you know you misdirect in the middle and then you then you hit them by surprise at the end right so it's like it, you think like that so I don't know if that if that helps or if that's the answer you're looking for, but it's it's a, a it's kind of complicated. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that I've, I've never really thought of it like I mean the the album analogy makes makes total sense, but um, I have I have done stand up exactly one time in my life. Uh, I was absolutely I was absolutely terrified, um, but my bit was poorly explaining movie titles like I basically just took like I, I, I turned like my experience on Twitter into into a, like a and it was like it was maybe five or ten minutes uh but you know it was stuff like um uh it actually started because my 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 daughter was was she wanted to watch Mulan but couldn't remember what the what it was called but she was like where the girl has to dress up like a guy to, to actually be respected by society and I was like whoa that's a lot of them that's there's a lot going on uh with with that with that so i, I did a whole thing like um and the one i can remember off the top of my head was uh uh family has the worst airbnb experience uh in history in colorado and it was it was the shining um, oh, that's a good one. yeah and uh and so it was just stuff like that like but it was like there were people that's, like, a, it, that's it, a great premise man that's a really it, good premise it, it, it worked and I, but I only, I don't think it would. And I, I haven't like gone back and like updated it. Like I'm not going to do it again. So it was just kind of fun to say, I, I, so it was fun to say that I did it. And also like, I can't remember how many of those that I quote unquote came up with uh, that I had just seen somewhere else. And so I was telling someone else's joke and I'm, I'm oh, just no. not like, I'm so terrified of being either rightfully or wrongfully accused of plagiarism. Like, is that, yeah. It, one of the things that I would imagine that, that I'm scared of uh, or that I would be scared of is that I heard something funny a long time ago. I, I use it in a set and someone is like, oh, that was funny when I heard, you know, Richard Pryor do it uh, 35 years ago. And, <laughs> and all of a sudden, like your credibility is shot. Like, is that a is that a concern? Is that a is that a fear? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we always have a fear of jokes that come too easy. Right. Like if I'm sitting around writing or if I've got an idea, something pops into my head, I'm like, wow, that'd be a really good joke. But sometimes if it comes too easy, like if it's fully formed, as soon as you think of it, that's what makes you suspicious. Then you're like, I've heard this somewhere and I don't remember where. Um, so uh, uh, there's two things. you Well, there's several things you can do. But uh, the two things I do is like if it's a phrase that pops into my head, a lot of times I call them joke fragments. Right. It, it, it's it's sort of just an amorphous word salad. And all of a sudden I, I pull out of it here's the little phrase that pays. Here's the little, it's got a nice little roll to it. Like that's the funny line. And I'm like, if it feels too familiar, I'll Google it exactly. Oh, right? okay. I'll, just, I'll just search that, that little catch, whatever the phrase, whatever the, 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 the turn of the joke is, I'll just put it right in. And uh, you'd be surprised. Like it'll pop up and you're like, ah, okay. It was a t-shirt I saw. 
then that's not necessarily hack, but it's like it's not not hack either. It's more stock. Yeah. Stock stock is worse than hack. A stock is something that's been stolen three times. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> at that point you you can't trace back to who originally came from it, but you know it wasn't you. So right. you, I, I some people will will do those, and that's fine. It's um, you know. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, something you try to stay away from if you're if you're trying to build your reputation as a joke writer as a as a serious um, uh, a thinker. Uh, so yeah, sometimes just searching the words that'll turn it up right away, and then you know because it'll happen. And you're like, oh, what was that? And then boom, George Carlin is you know from 1979. Like ah, see, that's why it was so funny. It's already been 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 done by the best. So <laughs> then if that comes up clear, then I'm like, okay, well now I go to my second step. And your second step is. The close friends like for me it'd be tommy drake tommy drake we we check with each other all the time on a hack check like hey has this been done before because this one came too easy right and and then he's he's actually better than google he'll pull it right up and be like yeah that was an <laughs> abbott costello short ah okay now i now i know why i thought and then you just drop it like I, I a lot of younger or at least inexperienced comics uh, they'll try to, well, let me figure out a way to make it different. They still try to make it work. And, you know, it's like a total car at that point. It's just not worth it. Um, it, it if it was familiar to you, it's going to be familiar to someone else. And so yeah. then just drop it, drop it, go away from it. You know, spend, spend your time working on, on the original stuff. That's how I look at it. There's a, a lot of comics and I'm not trying to talk shit or, uh, forgive me. Uh, I'm not Here trying to, um, you know, uh, uh, cause a problem, but you know, some people just don't have the same ethos, uh, as a comic. I've been doing this for over 25 years now. And my, my entire adult life has been as a comic, a student as a comic, I live and breathe the damn thing. So for me, the, the reputation in comedy is, is like my most important asset. If you lose that, you've, you've lost everything. Right. You know, I may not be successful. I, I may not be the funniest person in the world, but but damn it, my stuff is going to be my stuff. And then that's pretty much it. And if there's a question about it, you know, you just got to walk away from it. You know, uh, people will defend a bad joke and defend a, a, you know, something that, that's if it's not exactly stolen, it's just not lifted. I mean, there's the idea of parallel thought. They, they talk about that a lot in comedy, parallel thinking. And Kathleen Madigan uh, once said, uh, we all uh, fly out of the same airports. We all read the same newspapers. And we all watch the same TV shows. Smart people are bound to come up with the same thing, right? right? And that sometimes that just happens. And then it's like a gentleman's agreement. You just sort of, okay, well, you already did it. And uh, I'm not, you know, there's no, it's a no fault situation in that. In that. Uh, but you I mean, you are judged by how graciously you handle it. You know what I mean? I mean, some, I know comics that have bitter blood feuds for, dozens of years over who came up with one there's two comics i know one of them's dead and the other one's still pissed about it uh, they, both, they both claim to come up with the same joke about uh, uh their sister sitting on the the vibrating football game remember that the, <laughs> like that they yeah. both had a joke about the, their sister sitting on it and they they claim like they would go they would damn near come to blows about it like <laughs> hated each other about it because neither one would would give up on it. now at this point it's they're not even using the joke anymore that's just old beef but that's right. yeah that is very serious how, how we take it so I've, I've had this happen and i've been on on both the um sort of the 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 giving end and the and the taking end of this where you're you're on twitter and you're on twitter a lot so i'm you know i'm, I'm sure you've encountered this or at least you've seen it happen where you'll tweet something and i i've had it to where it's it's totally mm -hmm. independent and someone like tags somebody else and, and, and says, oh, this dude uh, took your joke. And I'm like, I, I, I've never even heard of that person before. <laughs> uh, and that's happened to me where someone has tagged me and been like, oh, hey, this person's like, you know, doing your bit. And it, it might have been like the triple short of the cycle uh, joke, the, the, which is my lasting contribution to Twitter. But um, <laughs> at, at some point, you know, I, I think you know, you just sort of realize like th this is, there's a lot of thoughts going on on Twitter and, you know, the world's big enough for, for two people to, to have the same sort of, you know, punchline without it being, but, but I also feel like if it happens, if, if it happens frequently, then that's a problem. Like a one-off, a yeah. one-off thing. That's where, you know, that, that's, you know, well, Hey, you know, we, we were reading the same thing and, and thought the same thing was funny, but if it happens, 
you know, not even regularly, but enough to where you're like, wait a second, this is kind of a trend. Like that's where it turns into a problem. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it's it, tweet jacking. It's a common phenomenon. It's almost the exact same thing as joke stealing in comedy. And the thing about Twitter, um, uh, Twitter is like the, the scummy bar on Tatooine. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I will just flat out say there are accounts, there are people out there that will gladly steal your great tweet, make it their own and take all the credit, get all the clout for it, you know? And that's just, there. literally there's nothing you can do. Um, I've had that happen a lot. I've had a lot of my great tweets. I tweeted out and then the next day it's viral from someone who has twice as many followers that I do. Right. Right. Cause I, I'm, I'm in that weird stage. I got like a little over, I think 5,300 uh, followers on Twitter and, uh, just enough to get, I get a good, I get a good, um, uh, exposure out of it. I get a good, you know, penetration into the zeitgeist as you would say, but not enough to get the, uh, I'm enough to pop up on the radar of the thieves. You know what I mean? And then they're like, oh, that's good. But mm, he's not at that number enough that I can't just take it. Right. And uh, so I see that happen a lot. In Twitter is just like comedy in that um, hack is in the details. A lot of comics will come up with the same premise, maybe even the same turn to the same similar joke. But hack, you can always tell in the DNA of the phrasing. Right. It's they, they steal the exact wordage of it. You know what I mean? Like I saw an example of someone I don't know, a couple months back. Uh, they tweeted something that was very funny. And when they tweeted it, there was like, they, there was an accidental double space in between words. Mm -hmm. I mean, like they just hit the space bar twice and or whatever. And then someone stole it and it had like, they literally dragged and dropped it over to where it had the same space in between the, 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 you know, the, you know, uh, uh, the regular like V and an or something like, you know I mean? It was like, it was, it was so obvious that it was yeah. a lift. Right. Uh, so I, I, I think about that a lot because I'm, if I, if I have a skill in comedy, it's, I'm fast to a joke. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I worked in morning radio for a while. So I'm, I mean, that's why when I wrote for Stevens of Pruitt, when I was, you know, you know, first starting off in Houston, I was always proud that I would have the joke of the day, at 7:30 in the morning and knowing full well I'm going to see the same version of it that night on uh on the tonight show you know so to me it's like I got there first I'm not saying anyone stole anything I'm saying I I just I saw it I got there first someone else took all day to get to it right so that was always a, a good thing to me but I kept I kept getting burned I've had like I said I've been I've been burned a lot by that stuff and it used to really piss me off but do you remember the movie a beautiful mind yes right and there was a scene in it where he kind of had a breakthrough when they were all at the pub, you know, hitting on girls. And there was the, there was the, the one, the alpha chick, right. Who was just gorgeous. And they were all going after her and no one was paying attention to her four or five friends around her who were only slightly less good looking. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and he had that, that moment of, Hey, how about this? Ignore the number one and only go after the two, three, four, and five, and your chances <laughs> of success shoot through the roof. So I think about that a lot. Like I, I see it. I see a joke. I see something come across, and I see, I see the, I see the first one. I'm like, this is the good joke. This is a big one. But a lot of other people are going to see this one too, and I'm going to go for the, I'm going to go for the same topic, but the twist. You know, put that extra little eh, on it, and and see how that goes. There was, I, I'll tell you a, a, a good example of that. Um, and it's funny because it's the, I know the people listening can't see it, but you've got the total landscaping the four seasons, total landscaping background there. When that thing hit, that was comedy gold. That was like one of the naturally funniest things that's happened in absolutely in hysterical. Years. Yeah. It's, it's, it's perfect comedy. It's perfect comedy. <laughs> and, and almost in, even while they're in the back of that building doing the press conference, I saw, the, I saw this joke and I was like, I see it, but so many others are going to see it. So many, you know, people that have higher clout than I do are going to see this. And it was, I, I even, I wrote it down on paper because I just, I like, I'm not going to tweet it because I'm going to tweet it and it's not going to get the run. And then someone else with big runs going to tweet it. And I'm going to look like I stole it. And that was, this isn't over until they appeal this to the Supreme courtyard by Marriott. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I had that joke immediately. And oh, I just, man. Did the I did the calculus on it and I'm like, someone someone bigger and better is going to pop with this and it was that's exactly what happened you know and like like a day later it was viral everywhere this oh my god this is <laughs> I'm like 
I, and I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't bitter about it. It was just a, a business decision. It was from experience. I'm like, I make this joke. It dies or it doesn't, it not die, but it doesn't get what, what it would have got from someone. It doesn't who has, get what it deserves. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't get what some, someone with 30,000, you know, uh, followers tweets it and it's going to be everywhere. It'll be on fucking, I'm oh, sorry. Uh, weekend <laughs> update. <laughs> yeah. Know, I, I tweet it, you know, a hundred people here in Houston get a good chuckle, <laughs> but that's about it. Right. So that's out of that. That's kind of my personal philosophy on it. And, and I, I think about tweets like, you know, just let them go, let them go. There's just keep, keep, you can always outwrite the hacks. That's the, that's another thing that we always think of is, is you can drop it. They can't, you know I mean? I'll write 10 more by next week and they'll still be surfing on that one. Yeah. So we've, we've known each other for a, for a while. I had no idea that you wrote for Stevens and Pruitt. You didn't? Oh yeah, man. I was uh, right at the the end of Stevens and Pruitt. Uh, this would have been ninety eight through, well, I guess yeah, yeah, end of 98, 99, and then the beginning of two thousand. So it was the the end of Stevens and Pruitt, and the beginning of uh, Grego Pruitt and the Boner. <laughs> <laughs> how how yeah. did that? How did that happen? Like, how did you? How did you land that gig? You're just, I mean, so is it? You're just funny, and you know somebody that that also thinks you're funny. Like, how does it? How does it work? Uh, I, I would say Brian Shannon, uh, Boner. Uh, was the, the the one that got me in um he had he used to come out to the last stop well all of you used to come out to the last stop in houston all the time and at the time i was uh doing very well in that room and i just won houston's funniest person in 98 uh so and with that came an appearance on the show uh so i would and i had been listening to their their show from when i was in high school in victoria you know we used to in, in victoria is right on the edge of you couldn't pick up KLOL. And uh, me and my buddy, who was also a radio nerd, uh, we would leave to go to school early and the apartment complex right next to the high school had the, the corrugated tin uh, uh, car, carports. Mm-hmm. And we both added the little bit longer antennas so that we could park underneath it and our antenna would, would touch the and make the whole the whole um, uh, carport the antenna and we would listen to about 30 minutes, excuse me, of uh, Stevens and Pruitt before, before school. That's right. Cool. So I was, I was and then so when I met, uh, Brian Shannon at the uh, the laugh stop. He was one of the judges when I when I won, and then I had the uh, the the appearance on the show. I just basically volunteered to do it. I was uh, I was there. I was available. I lived next door to the old studio. Matter of fact, so uh, I just volunteered to do it. And I was hungry about it, and I kept showing up every day with twelve pages of jokes. I would sit in the room while they were doing stuff, and real quick, oh, real quick, write stuff and hand it to them. You know, in the <laughs> middle of. Stuff. It was a great experience and I mean, it didn't pay very much. I mean, I got lots of free swag, anything that came in free to the station, they would just throw it to me. I mean, I got to see so many um, uh, uh, traveling, you know, uh, kind of the lower level rock band tickets. They would get get plenty of those, (laughs) you know, know? Um, but yeah, a little bit of money and it was just a great experience and it made, it made me faster as a writer. As a, as, a, as a comic and it was great and we also kind of had the arrangement where if i write them a great joke and they use it that's still my joke so i could right. you know I was, I was fully credited they're saying on air that i'm in the room and that i'm writing stuff so it was there's a handful of uh, jokes that i got that i still use them every now and then today that that they came out of that so it was nice it was exciting to you know to get up early in the morning or sometimes stay up until early in the morning <laughs> and uh, go pound that out and then go do a set that night and uh, take those jokes to, to stage as well. And there's only a handful of times. I was, hey, I heard that on Pruitt's word. Or, or, <laughs> I, 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 and I'd be like, yeah, I wrote it. I wrote it. <laughs> Thank you very much. How long. So when I'm, when I'm teaching, I can now I'm to the point where I can tell in the first, I don't know, two or three minutes, like, like there, the, the other day we, I was in class and I was like, I was, it, it was an internal sort of monologue but I was like man I'm, I'm even bored by this like this this sucks like I need to I need to figure something else out like I, I gotta find a different plan of attack here with with whatever the material was how long because you've been doing this for a long time how long into your set before you before you can sort of think all right you know this this isn't this isn't gonna be a this isn't gonna be one to remember or this is gonna be freaking phenomenal that's a great question. And, uh, it's different every time I, uh, I tend to like, if I'm, if I'm headlining or something like that, if I'm not up first, um, uh, I will watch the room and, and I, you know, I've gotten, and I couldn't tell you exactly what it is that I'm looking for. Um, and I'm lucky that I'm anonymous, 
You know what I mean? If, if I had any sort of notoriety, I wouldn't be able to do this. Um, <laughs> but like before a show, like in the 10, 15 minutes before a show starts, people are just mold around, ordering food, having drinks. I can just sort of sit in the room and I get, I, I feel them, right? I can feel there's, I, and I, I couldn't tell you what it is I'm looking for, I, I, but it's just a feel. It's a vibe. I can, I can see, I, I see how the parties are grouped together. When I see people talking to each other, I kind of get a, you know, I, I, I just feel them out. Uh, there's one, uh, there's one metric that I can explain is uh, if a crowd seems quieter than it should be, then that, that means they're tight. And that means you just got to hit them fast and, and you just got a big splash, wake them up. Right. Okay. If, if it's, if they're, if they're table conversation, and I'm talking about in the pre-show, right. Uh, when they're just sitting around, there's no show on, they're just having conversation. If, if they're boisterous, if they're way, and I don't mean like loud uh, a bachelorette party. I'm talking about like just just the din of conversation. If it seems nice and loud, if it seems louder than it should be, like this is a hot crowd. They're gonna they're ready for a show. They're all pumped to be out in public. This is gonna be a good night. If they're tighter than that, if they're all sitting there kind of quiet, staring around, looking at each other, then so that's one thing I can kind of I and I I like I said I couldn't I couldn't uh, uh, quantify it in a well if the decibel level is uh, to a ratio. <laughs> number of people uh time sign you know i couldn't get like that it's a it's a by feel thing it's just years of experience but just being out there and just shutting up looking around you know and you just sort of get a feel for it i can also tell like um uh, a lot of comedy clubs most comedy clubs they purposely seat people at specific tables right mm -hmm. so then they usually they fill the front up and then you know back from there uh some are just sort of more general like welcome in you can sit anywhere in this area Right. So those you can get a feel for how how tight the crowd is or how shy they are. If it's if it's empty around the stage and but yet full back about you know five yards, then you're like, oh, OK, these people have been hurt before. You know, they've been yeah. picked on by comics. So they're, <laughs> they're going to sit there and, sh and shut up and smile. So then when I, now to answer your question, like when I get on stage. I have, like, Amir, I was telling you how the, the first five minutes, I kind of go shorter, quicker, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I also kind of, I, 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 can, I can tell in some of my, how they laugh at the earlier jokes, how well they're going to respond to the later ones. And if they're tight okay. on something early, I'm like, mm, you know, because I'll throw out a little tester, little, little tester premises that are a little edgier that you can kind of back away from real quick. You know what I mean? You right. just sort of get up to the line and you test it and if they <laughs> chuckled hard at that you know and i've got that down to a science where if someone laughs at this that this marijuana traffic joke early if this guy's rolling at that he's going to eat it up whenever i get into to this one later and uh -huh. they're not and, and there's no rhyme or reason to it there's not like it's a direct correlation of topics it's just a, a, a feel and a vibe that i've got you know especially because in the first part that's what i'm setting up the callbacks for later if those aren't hitting then i'm calling an audible and moving on like okay well we're just gonna have to hard humpy pumpy this this whole show <laughs> right and then sometimes like uh, ask you know if i if i ascertained earlier that they're going to be a tighter crowd and that it's going to be a struggle especially if i'm watching the opening acts struggle and the crowd's just not giving them to them i'm like this is going to be one of those where I just have to go up there and grind, right? I'm just going to go up there and not look shaken. I'm going to stick to my guns. I, I'm just going to do the material. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to, and I keep looking at them. I look at them, I look them in the face. A lot of comics won't do that. They just sort of pick a pick an eye spot out in the in the on the back wall and and deliver. I I, I force them to engage. I look right at them. I'll tell the joke and like this like you're, I'm talking to you, pal, and you know, and and that brings them in. It starts to make them comfortable. Plus, if you tell look at them and tell a joke at them, but you're not actually picking on them, the more you do that, the more they're like, okay, he's not he's not going to hurt us. He's not he's <laughs> he's our friend. And I've I've had I've had sets that you know the first twenty minutes, they're tight, like 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 wound up like guitar strings. Now I'm just like, you know what? I'm just not going to, I'm going to let them settle into me, you know? And that's just having a little bit of professional confidence that, that, all right, I know this act. I know this works. I know how to deliver it. So I'm just going to keep playing it. They're going to come around. Yeah. And if they don't come all the way around, if it's not like, you know, huge applause breaks, oh my God, it's the greatest, you know, I'm at least going to demonstrate professional level skill. They're not going to leave and say, I sucked. You know what right. I mean? It may not be the best night they've ever had at a comedy club, but they won't be complaining about me going off the rails. And that's just holding your nerve more than anything. 
because I see that happen with comics a lot where, you know, they do their ha 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 and they get, they don't get what they thought they deserve. And they're like, hmm, well, that's weird. And, blah, 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 and they do it again. You know, and they keep going to it and they keep expecting some sort of big, so you, you adjust and, and curtail your delivery to, to kind of fit the, the vibe of the room. Is there an element, because my, my audience in a, in a classroom, you know, 95% of them, they don't want to be there. Uh, <laughs> they'd much rather be, be somewhere else. And so if, if I, and I, I try to describe my history teaching style as like, you know, 45 minutes of standup with, with some historical facts, you know, put in there. I, I make it as entertaining as I possibly can. But, but your, your audiences, they've paid to be there. Is, there. is there an element of, if you're in the crowd at a comedy club, like you are, you are ready to be entertained. So you're a little bit more willing to kind of give yourself over to sort of the moment. Uh, that's, a good, that's a good observation. Um, yes, but it's not 100%. It's not a hundred percent. I mean, uh, especially, okay. Uh, look at like a larger group, right? Not just a date night or even two couples. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's say, let's say you got two couples sitting at a table, right? And at least one or well, at least one of the people did not want to go to comedy. There's people who paid to be there and just got dragged along. And they're gonna be the <laughs> That's a good point. You know what I mean? They're going to be the, I told you this was going to suck. I don't like this. We went and saw Bill Burr and he called me a fat bitch. You know, so they have a, they, they bring in uh, prejudices from their previous experiences. Sometimes people just have a, they, they made the plan to go to the show. They bought the tickets days in advance and then they had a bad day and they're just, right. they're begrudgingly there. They're in a bad mood. It happens all the time. Uh, so you kind of have to, you have to bake that in the cake. Don't work so hard to try to win over the, the, you know, handful of people that aren't there to have a good time at the expense of everyone who is. So you just keep playing to the larger slice of pie. You know what I mean? Like I, I dude, I've seen comics go off the rails and just blast at someone who's, you know, making a bad look or whatever. And, and, and it just sort of tanks the night or at least it just redefines like this is, you can't go back from, you know, yelling at someone. Right. Uh, I've learned, <laughs> and I think being a dad has helped me with this. I've learned the power of ignoring. I okay. just, I just, Hey, you know, I'm just not even, gonna, I want to work to the ones who like it. And then right. you start and more and more people start to like it. And I just ignore them and they, you starve them of attention and they shut up and go away. It happens a lot, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of power dynamic psychology involved in being on stage. And it'd be hard to explain exactly it's more of a feel, right? Like the previous thing I was talking about, it's a, it's a feel vibe, right? And you just sort of, I guess you have to really like, okay, for you, an example, like when you're teaching a class, and I imagine you're a great teacher. Like I, I, I would have loved to have a, a history teacher like you, man. That would have been cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but I imagine, so you have an established power dynamic that you are an authority. You are a teacher, right? Mm -hmm. Now you might be the long haired soccer coach teacher, but you're still right. a teacher and they are students right so there's a there's an angle there uh i started off doing comedy as a young 20 year old idiot right so i knew i was going into a crowd of people who were higher on that social scale than me i'm, I'm up there i'm a young idiot trying to entertain grown adults with jobs and bills and kids and family but as i've gotten older i've realized that how i'm perceived and seen has changed okay and that was that took a while to kind of get to where i was still in my head on stage you know, trying to be, you know, you know, wacky young kid. And I was like, in reality, I'm not. And, <laughs> and, and like I said, being a dad changed that a lot. It really, it really kind of uh, made me realize how I'm seen and how I can, like, there's a dad voice that you get when you have kids that you right. can't, you don't have when you're younger. It's not until you're a dad where you have to have a authoritative, I'm serious here. You're going to listen voice. And right. I, I, I had a very subtle moment when I was on a cruise ship and some of my jokes, I, I, I tell longer jokes, right? Like I, I took some time to write some stuff out. So once I get into the act, it's a performance. It's, it's a lot like a play. I'm telling the joke. I'm still going to look like I'm engaged and active in the moment, but I'm, I'm performing something that has been written and, and practiced tediously. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm on stage at, at uh, on one of the cruise ships and it's a big wide stage. People sitting right on the, on the front of it. 
and I'm in the middle of the, and it's an, it's an important bit to the set, right? It's a, it, it, this is a big part of the story. That's all going to tie in at the end. This, this is not a time to be interrupted because it's going to screw up the delivery or the, the payoff at the end. And, um, but there's this table to my left and they just sort of, they're having like a little conversation. They're leaning over talking and they don't, I can tell by looking at it. They don't mean it disrespectfully. You know what I mean? These are probably people that don't see a lot of live performances. So they <laughs> yeah. don't, they don't, they don't get that they are in, they're in the light. They're in, they're right on the front of the stage and they had been laughing and, 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 and nice the whole previous, you know, 20 minutes of the show. And now I'm at the payoff time and they're getting a little chatty. So I <laughs> naturally will sort of wander away from them and work the other side of the stage, but they were, it was a little too much. Like when I wandered away from them, they, the, oh, he's far, they got a little louder. Right. And I, but I didn't want to lose track of what I was saying for the 98% of everyone else who was paying attention. <laughs> so I just wandered closer to him and I didn't look at him. I'm still looking at the crowd telling the joke, but with my, with my lower hand, I just did the teacher. Oh step. yes. That's a classic I, move real quick. Just like that. And then and I didn't draw attention to him. I didn't try to humiliate him. And they do, they all yep. snap just like that. And like, Oh my God, we were too Right. And then, like, one of the ladies, like, like she mouthed at me, I'm sorry. Like that, right. <laughs> and, but I was, it was seamless. It was, it was just, and it, I, I never thought about doing it before. It's just, it just, it was that, that dad mode that popped out. And the cool part was, is so I wandered back over to that other side of the stage and there's a woman who was sitting on the stage on the other side who saw it happen. And she just went like, she came up to me after the show and she's a teacher so she's like oh my god you are you a did you ever teach her like that I'm like no 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 i just my mom was one so i kind of <laughs> <laughs> that's funny my go-to really my go-to is the i'll walk like if someone's on their phone and you know it, it's hard you have to pick your battles uh especially teaching in a global pandemic um, but, but if someone's on their phone or if they're not really paying attention, I'll just go by, I'll, I'll walk past them and I'll, I'll just tap on their desk like two or three times and, and I'll just keep going so that it, it doesn't embarrass or humiliate or it's not aggressive. You know, it, it's sort of, you know, just, but it, it yes. does remind them, Oh, this dude's not, you know, he's, he really is paying attention. Like he's not. <laughs> yeah. I want them to think that I have eyes in the back of my head. Right. And yeah. that I'm. I'm in control here and not in, a, not in a mean way, not in an aggressive bossy way, but like, this is, you came here to me, to my, I'm not harassing you in the elevator trying to tell you jokes. This is, this is my domain right now. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. But that was that, that. And that's been a fun thing for me to kind of learn. And I feel like I'm, you know, I'm still learning it and figuring out how to kind of use it. And it's, a, it's, it's definitely influencing uh, my future writing that it's like, yeah, I think for too long in my head, I was a 22 year old idiot. And all my jokes were kind of more of a, uh, that lower level kind of perspective. And um, now I'm changing it. I'm just sort of, okay, well, I, 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 like, okay, here's, here's one thing I think when I was a little bit younger, I'd say 20 to 30, I would be a little bit more intimidated by teenagers. Like if they, I would, I would feel like, Hey, I got to show how cool I am. You know what I mean? Right. Hey, I was worried about what they thought of me. Uh, now I got my own kids. I'm, I'm, I'm a parent. I have, I have zero care what teenagers think of me yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's liberating. I, I, I talk right at them. Like, I know that you're an idiot. You know what I mean? You might be Mr. Cool guy. You might, you know, whatever, but I'm a grown man. You're an idiot. <laughs> I can buy a beer. Year, <laughs> my first year teaching, I had this one and I had no idea what I was doing. Like it was, I, I thought, you know, they're going to come here and they're going to be excited to learn. Like that's what that, that, was, <laughs> that was, that was my thing. But I had this one class that they straight up, like, I swear the assistant principals and the counselors, like they're like, let's, let's see what this dude has. Like, let's give him this group of students and, and let's just see how he does. And if he, if he runs off, well, we've only had to pay him for a year and we can get somebody else. <laughs> and if he survives this, then he's going to be better for it. But there were two girls uh, that they were just freaking firecrackers. Like it didn't take hardly anything for them to just pop off as somebody uh, or even, you know, slap, uh, physically slap somebody like right across, like just five across the eyes. Well, these two girls, they sat near the front. And when I started teaching, my daughter was two. And, and so, you know, you've, you've got, you've got more than one kid, you know, how tired you are when your kid is two years old. Like oh, yeah. I hadn't slept much. I, but, 
so I knew I was tired. These two girls are, are whispering to each other and they're pointing at me and laughing. And this is like, I've been a teacher for like six weeks, but, but this, <laughs> this one thing where they're pointing at me and laughing, high school girls are pointing at me and laughing. Like it activated every insecurity that I had carried with me since Sam Rayburn high school in 1994. And, and I just I was like, what is so funny? And, and they're like, you're wearing two different colored shoes. And I, I it was just, I was so tired. I, I put like the left shoe of one pair on and a, the right <laughs> shoe of a different pair. And I was like, well, I've made it like 34 years, uh, you know, putting on the right shoes. I guess it was bound to, that streak was bound to come to an end at some point. But it was like, it, they, they were, they weren't trying to be, and at, at that point, when I reacted like that, and I didn't just like blow up and, you know, send them to the principal or whatever, you know, I, it's sort of like, that was kind of like a turning point. Like when you're, when you're cool with, or when you don't blow up at somebody and, and I guess it could be, you know, the way you kind of snapped, like you could have very easily just put them, put that table on blast in front of, you know, God and everybody. And you didn't do it. Like it, it's sort of like the rest of the room was like, oh, okay. All right. And okay. so there's gotta be some like give and take where even if you're not interacting directly with your audience, they're still paying attention to how you re- how you interact with 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 someone else like that table is is that is that the case? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> I, I I've uh, expressed this to comics. I used to teach like a beginner uh, comedy course, like a basic training comedy course. Is <laughs> I would take that course. Uh, that would be cool. Well, it's, it's fun. I like, I like teaching that. I like teaching beginners. I'm not teaching you how to be a com or I'm not teaching what kind of comic to be just the basics, you know, right. like, just like, like, like basic training. Here's how you, here's how you wipe your ass. Here's how you make <laughs> your, hold your socks, you know, that basic level stuff. And then, then you're good to go. But, um, uh, they, the audience starts observing you and every part of you, uh, before you even start talking, right? Like just the walking onto the stage they're they're, they're just, analyzing the hell out of you so you just have to think about that you have to just think about how are you being perceived as you go and just be mindful of it and do things well you know purposefully you know what i mean if you if you're having a if your act is like i said that lower stature you know you kind of come out slappy you know if you're trying to be more authoritative and to be taken seriously you hold your head your head still or you you throw your your chest up you know you so you just sort of you know, you're more confident. Those things, even if it's not in words, or even if the audience doesn't couldn't tell you exactly why they're seeing and thinking that, that's that's part of the analysis and the an- analysis, I should say. Um, but there's another thing too is is you have to be uh, observant about all things at all times. Now I, I'm bummed that I missed your set. I remember when you when you did stand up and I was out of town at the time because I wanted to be there for it. Uh, I wanted- <laughs> I wanted to see, I'm sure you, I'm sure it was, was funny stuff, but I wanted to talk to you after. Like, to me, that's the thing is the, now what did you learn? Because yeah. I recommend everybody on earth try to stand up at least once. Cause it's just like skydiving. It's exhilarating. It's it. I would say it's like skydiving, except that it takes longer and more people die from it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's a thing that happens when you start comedy uh, your first couple of years and it's a it's a breakthrough moment that happens, and I'm sure you have this now as a teacher, where you're able to separate from yourself in the moment, right? Where you can actually be, it, you, your 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 body, your face, your mat, you you are delivering material, and you're doing it right, and you're in the moment, and you're interacting with people, but your consciousness is stepped back, almost like a like a car driving race car game where you have that view where you're watching the car on the road, mm-hmm. but from back a bit and then you're, you're able to separate it to where you can observe and think separate from the the, the words coming out of your mouth without affecting right. you know because sometimes you can it's almost like a daydream right like you're daydreaming you, you're, no but this is where you can actually control both and it's it, it and i see it when it happens to, I, I can tell exactly when the moment that it happens to younger comics because they get excited about it they're like oh my god and it makes time slow down a little bit like you're not just up there with your you know, tasting copper and your heart beating in your eyes. Now you're, you're way more calm, you know, calm and confident because you're, you're controlling the situation. You're taking in information um, and you're processing and knowing how to deal with it. Like I do it a lot because now, like a lot of time with, with my shows, I don't go up there with a set list of here's everything I'm going to do. It's more of a flow chart. 
Like okay. if I'm going here, then I feel like it, I go there. And I, once I've gone this way, now these things are, you know what I mean? So I'm thinking about where am I going next? What joke do I feel like doing? What's going to work with what I've already done? What can't I do because I haven't set up the callback for it? Or if I want to do it, I have to take the callback part. So there's all kinds of thinking going on, but you're still, if you're watching the show, you don't, you don't, you don't tell that you can't, you can't see that. And I think about that, uh, when it goes right, it's, it feels good. It's like perfect pitch, man. It just, it's just, it feels nice. But like, like you were just saying about the story about the girls in your shoes, you overreacted because you thought they were making funny. Like, you're right. fit, you're old, you're whatever. <laughs> your, your head goes to the negative stuff when they were like, sir, you're wearing two, your shoes are different. All right. So then you're like, oh, okay. I yeah. had that moment not too long ago because I've been suffering from hearing loss pretty gradually for about 10, 15 years. Oddly okay. enough, the same amount of time I've had kids, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So I have kind of a, a, a lower register hearing loss, which has really affected me on stage because I can't hear very well, right? I can't hear what people are saying. And that made me a little sensitive to it. I had to kind of learn this problem where uh, I was at a show one time and I thought this guy was talking. I thought he, I thought he was heckling and, 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 and at the wrong time. Like he was one of those, I thought he was chirping right in the middle of the little, like every time there's a comma, I would, I thought I was hearing something and I just sort of turned at him and just out of nowhere. Like I hadn't set it up. I had nothing. I just turned at him and just started just berating this dude. And I noticed that he's like aghast and the, everyone in the crowd is like, you know, they're, they're, they're also in shock. And I kind of had a stop moment of, was he, he wasn't talking <laughs> because it was just my, my weird hearing making me, you know, sensitive and paranoid about it. So I decided, and I was like, Oh God, I'm so sorry, dude. I didn't, I thought you were, I, and I was like, I have hearing loss. And I just thought, so I've had to kind of adjust and be mindful of that because I think what you learned a little bit and what most people uh, learn is that even the friendliest comics, even like the, the Brian Regans of the world, the Jim Gaffigans of the world yeah. on stage, you're just like nice huggy uncles. Um, if you've been doing comedy professionally uh, in your life, you have what we call the dark gift, right? And it's just like, it, it's like a, a Jedi going to the dark side. It's all of a sudden the hate and the rage builds up and the same talents and skills that you've been cultivating and growing to make you a, a, a nice friendly comic also make you an evil bastard who can um, look at someone and see all of their fears and frustrations and all the little soft spots. And I can, I can, <laughs> you don't like doing it. Some, some comics that's their whole act, right? Is it, is that thing, but please don't anger me to where I have to <laughs> humiliate you in front of everybody. Right. right? Like, and I've learned because some comics are, are hair triggered and they, and, and sometimes it fits into their personality, right? How they're perceived on stage, a little more edgier, a little rougher around the edges so that they can, you know, if someone chirps up, they've got stuff ready to go. And, that, and that's part of the show. Uh, for me, it doesn't work like that because my whole thing is, is sort of a friendly likability, right? Even if I'm telling jokes that are, are kind of edgy or rough, I, it's coming from a place of likability. And, and, and I've just, you know, that's just who I am. I, I, I've learned that that's how people see me. And that's how I, that's, that's where my sweet spot is. Yeah. So even if someone is legitimately heckling me and being a prick, I can't go over the top right off the bat. I've learned that because they might be, hey, blah, 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 and then I'll you know, humiliate them right in front of everybody. And if I go too over the top too fast, the crowd turns on me and now I'm the jerk. Uh, right. So I've had, I've had to go with a, almost like a, like a Clint Eastwood gunslinger. I, I have to let you, I have to let them hit me three times before, you know uh -huh. what I mean? I have to, I have to be the quiet man and go, Hey man, can you keep it down a little bit? We're trying to do a show over here. And I do that based in the confidence that I do know what I'm doing and that this is going to work. And then they keep chirping. I'm like, buddy, come on. I'm warning you. Don't make me be mean. Cause I will be mean. <laughs> Usually, usually stops at that, especially because I can kind of make a look. Now they deserve it, and then I can, I can, you know, call them out, run them out of the room, and the crowd will do nothing but laugh. You know, and it's one of my favorite things to do is I, is I bait that once they start, once they've declared themselves as a jerk, and they're going to do that, and that it happens more than I'd like to admit. Uh -huh. um, I bait them into making themselves look like an idiot more than me counting on using the likability that i know the, that i'm counting on i use that now as a strength all right 
So it's like, I have to kind of rope a dope a little bit. Like, oh, oh, that was mean. Yes, I am fat. Wow, great observation, buddy. Ow, you're killing me. You know, <laughs> still friendly-ish. But I always get to a point where I'm like, you know what? How about this? I believe in this. Ladies and gentlemen, by applause, who wants to hear this guy talk more? <laughs> Nobody or, you know, one or two. Okay, good, good, good. My applause. Who wants this guy to shut the up? up? Yeah. <laughs> and they'll just go nuts. And I know they're going to do it because I've been setting them up and baiting them to do that. And then the right. humiliation of the crowd turning on that person. Usually that's just that that's game over. They, they can't come back. And then it's just, all right, you just, just go, go. You know? <laughs> it's, a weird, it's a weird dynamic, but honestly, uh, one of the best rules uh, uh, I, I teach young comics is be as funny as possible, as fast as possible. So if someone says you suck, the rest of the people there don't believe them. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? That's why I say demonstrate skill early. Show poise early. You know what I mean? If you go up there half-assy and distracted or, you know, you know, looking like you're on the ropes, then when someone says you suck, they're right. <laughs> Other people are like, yeah, yeah, he, he does. Yeah, he does yeah, kind of suck. He does yeah. suck. That's what we get for going to the improv on a Wednesday and a holiday. <laughs> Who is the, this is the last one, uh, last one for today, because we're definitely going to do this again. Uh, I've had I've a got, great time, man. Thank you for having me. I, yo, it's been great. I've got questions that I, I haven't even gotten to yet. Um, what, who was the last comic, or I guess what was the last, yeah, we could do it. We could do two. And in person, I know with, with everything that's going on, there, there have, I can't imagine there's been too many in-person comedy shows uh, that you've been able to, to go to. But who was the last, give us, I guess, if you're looking for someone that's, I mean, everyone knows like, like John Mulaney's special is going to be funny. Dave Chappelle is going to be funny. Someone under the radar that really, uh, that, that you saw or you watched a, a show on Netflix or heard them on Spotify, someone that, that we might not know of that you thought that was really good. Hmm. That's a good question. They always say when you ask uh, comics who their favorite comic is, they're going to tell you, well, it's no one you've ever heard of. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, there's some really damn, there's some damn good ones. I mean, you, honestly, you, you can't beat Dave Chappelle has, has uh, 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 transcended. You know, he is metamorphosized into a next level, uh, a, a all time great level. And he's doing amazing work. And, and the stage has been set perfectly for him to get the amazing opportunities to, to do it. And that's encouraging. You like seeing it and he's getting that opportunity and capitalizing off of it. You know right. what I mean? There's, I, I, I don't like talking shit about other comics and, and saying bad things about them, but there's people who have gotten the same kind of big opportunities and then fallen short. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I'm not saying he's my pick because I, I but I'm just saying that, that to say that, that that's not a, it's not a corny choice to say Dave Chappelle because he's right. No, that's a good point. Yeah. Amazing thing. Um, but I'll tell you, the, I'll tell you the, the only comic that I've paid, a, a, bought a ticket to go see um, in, in the last 20 years is Doug Stanhope. I don't know if you know uh, Doug Stanhope. He's not unknown. He's, he's not, he's not beating the bushes for nothing. I mean, he's, he's a comic of high regard, um, but man, he, he thinks of things and says, th says things in a way that just blows your mind. And a huge fan, he always have been. Um, uh, I'd, I'd say I'd call him a, a mild friend, good acquaintance. You mm -hmm. know, I've got to hang out with him um, a little bit over the years. Uh, and he's one of those guys that just always uh, amazes me. And um, I'm always, it, for me, because, you know, I've told you, I, I realize my limitations. I realize that how I'm seen. I couldn't go out there and be some sort of super edgy alt comic. It, 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 people wouldn't buy it from me. It wouldn't, I, I, can, I can write for those guys. You know what I mean? I can I can write amazing jokes for any comic of, of any color, shape, style, whatever, uh, and, and and in their voice. But I know what my voice is. I know how I'm seen. And I, I, I get excited when I see people who are extremely brave on stage. I love material that is just on the razor's edge of, of hilarious and offensive and just thought-provoking. And, but still not hoity-toity and up its own ass. You know, there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of uh, comics now that I think are being more um, pontificators than than entertainers. And I think Stanhope, uh, for me, watching him work in that way, he can be extremely biting with with social satire 
uh, picks on both directions and, and in new ways that you hadn't thought of yet and insanely personal and, and, and soul bearing. Like he will say humiliating things about himself that are true and honest. And, and to see that kind of stuff to me, that's, that's utilizing uh, the, the art form at its, at its highest. So yeah, Doug Stanhope, look him up. That's a, that's a, that's a very good, <clears throat> that's a very good call. Uh, you have the after later podcast uh how how often do you do that is that weekly is that it has been uh I, i've kind of been uh, uh taking a, the, the last month or so off uh, i hadn't really talked about it but i had a mild bout with the covid uh, oh no yeah yeah uh right, late uh october i had uh, uh got it and it was weird because i didn't think it was, i didn't think it was covid because it wasn't uh, respiratory at all it was uh, intestinal so I just thought I had like food poisoning or a bad food bug. Uh, so I had a bad week of just insane stomach cramps, digestional issues, um, <laughs> the fever, all that stuff. But then it was all of a sudden I had the loss of smell and taste. So I was like, oh, what no. the hell? Um, and I got the, um, the, the antibody test and boom, I had it. So it was like, and now I've been suffering kind of the, the, the longer term effects from it, the long hauler uh, symptoms of just like brain fogginess, yeah, um, headaches. So I've just, I've just been really laying low. And so I kind of been off the podcast for a little bit over a month, uh, but I'm about to get started back up uh, this week. Uh, coming up a, a, a Monday, I got a couple of episodes to release uh, stuff that I've recorded and I'm, you know, kind of feeling back and healthy, at least a little bit. I still, it's a hard, it's hard to focus and think sometimes like when I reach for a word, it doesn't pop up and then I get a headache. That's, that's kind of a, <laughs> a bad. But that's not uh, good. One of my, one of my best friends had, had it, a, a, well, a, 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 probably a mild bout is sort of the, the way to put it. But he described, I was like, what's it like? And he said, it's, it's like I've had, it's like I've had seven beers, but I'm also hung over at the exact same time. Like, yeah, he's like, it's, it's, it's not like anything. It's like, it's, you know, if you, if you're drinking that many beers, like it's, you know, you expect to feel pretty good, uh, but you, you just don't like you're sort of loopy and you just hurt. So, yeah, that's a yeah. great way. I would, I would, uh, it's like you're weird off balance, off center, uh, uh, dizzy, can't focus on, on stuff and it kind of brings you down like if you're i have a, a tendency to kind of be manic depressive you know what i mean up and down and whenever i try to focus on creative stuff that i'm writing or whatever just that over when you think too much it just it's not there and it gets frustrating and it makes your head hurt like literally uh, so it kind of naturally pushes you down into depression you know a little bit of just sort of well the only thing i can do that doesn't cause me you know dizziness and pain is to just sit here and mope yeah. <laughs> and rest you know like i was lucky it never got there was never anything in my lungs i think i got a, a small viral load as a matter of fact I, I think i've identified the culprit as a uh, taco truck burrito in fort worth is where i got it <laughs> <laughs> so hence the intestinal disfortitude that that went with it but yeah Typical that's a great that, that's a great way to describe it because it's just like a constant ache a, a weird sleeplessness where you just can't you can't you don't get eight hours of good recuperative rest it's just um you know a couple of hours of hard nap and then you're up and just laying there it's it, it's yeah it's been it's been very very weird to kind of deal with yeah you know? so that sucks i'm sorry but hopefully you're on the uh hopefully you're on the upswing yeah, I'm, I'm back. I'm, I, I don't, I'm not, uh, I don't have it. And I just have the antibodies now. So technically I'm, you know, I'm like, you're looking doorknobs. You're immune. Yeah, you exactly. Can, you can take on the world. Yeah. Yeah. My, my job is, yeah. So that's my job in the house now is uh, I, I'm, I'm like a, in a zombie movie. I'm the one that goes out for supplies. Cause <laughs> <laughs> the you know, after later it, podcast, it's, it's a, it's a really, I, I really enjoy, it's one of the very few podcasts that I actually subscribe to and, and listen to. Well, so thank if you, you. If, if you are looking for a new podcast, then uh, and you haven't come across After Later with John Wessling, uh, definitely do that. And then when it's safe to do so, go out and, and let him tell you jokes. And I, okay. I can guarantee you that it'll be funny. John Wessling, thank you so much. This was a, a very, I told you 30 minutes and I think we're running on to about 70 now and I totally lost That's track fine. of time. So That's uh, fine. I appreciate hey, you coming real, on the show. I, my, my pleasure. Real quick before we pass, just a quick answer. Did the Astros resign Springer? If not, where does he go? No, he goes somewhere closer to home in Connecticut. Whether that's the Mets, the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, I, I don't. I, I think we've seen the last of uh, of George Springer in an Astros uniform. And my God, what a ride! It's what a ride it's been.
Yeah, I couldn't even be mad at him if he does leave. You know what I mean? It's like a thank you very much. As soon as you're done playing, uh, your number's going on the wall here. That's how yeah, I'd for see it. sure. You know Where, what I mean? So do you want you can okay, you can you can only sign one to a long-term extension. Okay. Correa McCullers. Correa. Yeah, that's that that was Correa's right. That's every day. The, the tougher one would be, and I know their, their contracts don't line up is if you had to pick Correa or Bregman. That's yeah. why I think yeah, the devil's bargain, but I don't think their contracts line up time-wise on that. Um, but, you know, I, I love Carlos Correa. I think the uh, uh, obviously there's a reason why he's got the number one on his back. Um, but as much as I love him, you could sell him for a king's ransom, wouldn't you? I don't. I don't know. The price would have to be that, stupid. The way that he stepped up and sort of became the face of the the Astros backlash, the resistance to the Astros backlash, uh, and then you know was was healthy all season, and then absolutely was one of the few bats that that actually came through in the in the playoffs. I he's been that he's been that hitter way more than he's been the the injured guy hitting two twenty mm-hmm. hitter. So I I have I have. I would love to see Correa get locked up for, and I'm not thrown in jail, yeah. but but locked into a, yeah. a long-term extension for as long as he wants. The, the way I see it, and and I and I meant that as no disrespect to Lance McCullers, I'd love to have him as an Astro forever and have an amazing Hall of Fame career. But if you just Altuve, Correa, Bregman, you sign yep. those three, make them, you know, ensure that they only play in Astros uniforms until the the, the day they hang it up. Then I'd say that's that that's the core that you need to keep, and any two of the three is, is what's probably going to be most likely. Yeah, I, I love it. So yeah, I do too, man. Well, this was this was so much fun, and I, I really appreciate you taking an hour out of your day. Uh, let's do this again. Absolutely. Thank you, Mr. Yasko. Hey, have a good one. <laughs> you too, bro.